James 5, 19 and 20. I'm going to be super interested on Paul's thoughts on some of this, meaning you, Paul, not Paul the Apostle. Um, I'd love to get his thoughts too. Um, Very last couple verses. I think an important thing to keep in mind is that with James, this is not a random smattering of statements and sayings and cliches. It's, it's, there's purpose behind the writing of this entire thing, and maybe it ought to be read as one sermon, almost. And this ends, and I think the beginning of the end happened, I think it is verse 7. So if you flip back James 5, 7, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until what? What does it say? Be patient, therefore, until what? The coming of the Lord. Okay? So be patient. I think that everything he had to say after that was kind of his concluding statements. And I would say as well, it's interesting that James ends essentially on a command. I read uh, this last week that there are more imperatives, command sort of verbs, more imperatives in James per word than any other New Testament book. Um, that Ben Witherington, I, I saw that in there. I, it was in the introduction, I'd missed it, but he referenced it again at the end. Um, there are more imperatives in James than any other, per word uh, than any other New Testament book. And if, if you think back through... It does feel that way, doesn't it? Lots of things. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. A lot of do these sorts of things. Verse 19 and 20. Now I'm going to read them and then uh, we're going to discuss. He ends again with my brothers, my brothers and sisters, my brothers. If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Okay, let me read that again. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Um. I think the first question we need to ask is, what does wonders from the truth mean? Right? If anyone wonders from the truth, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. Now, this word that's translated wonders, James has actually used this word once already. And it was in chapter 1, verse 16. I'm going to read verse 16 and see if you can figure out which word it was. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Not a long verse, so you might be able to figure it out. Yeah, same Greek word. This wandering, straying. In fact, usually in the New Testament when you see this word, it's usually in most of the other books of the Bible, it's translated stray. Or like when you've gone astray, if you want, like it's the idea of wandering off. So this wandering from the truth, it's usually translated stray or astray. Now, 
there's particular practical meaning to this for me already. Because just in the last few weeks, and I just mentioned this to Paul the other day. I know I told Charity this the other day. It, I had, I think it was about three weeks ago, where I just had this day where I was like, oh. because it just felt like people were dropping like flies all around me. Christians who, many of them had been Christians for years, were just wandering off. Just wandering off. I mean, we've seen whole churches do that, wandering away from the truth. This wandering away from the truth is not necessarily just doctrinal, even though it's translated deceived. Uh, Both of my commentaries point out this wandering from the truth probably is talking about a moral wandering from the truth, which is the same thing as wandering off from the truth, right? I know the truth, but I'm not going to do it. So this had some personal feelings for me where I was reading this going, man, it does, I mean, this is a reality. Now, let's step back for a second. I know we got some hardcore uh, theologians in here. Let's just, let's just think about this on a purely experiential perspective for just a moment. Do people wander off from the truth? Yeah, definitely. Right? We struggle with what that means. I think we struggle with what that means ultimately. All right, so let, let me go into the... I'm going to get off this pulpit. Let me, go, let me go into... I feel like I should go over here somewhere. Um, let, let me... For, no, I don't want to be behind the communion table. Let me go on this side. I am. I'm wondering from the truth. So let me go into... Uh, I'm not going to name this circle, but there are some circles that they see this and they interpret it a certain way, okay? And the way that they interpret it is with one particular word. They're just backslidden, right? They're just backslidden. See, he's not from that circle, so he was like, what? If you grew up in the circle that uses that, there's a whole bunch of backslidden people out there somewhere, right? Now, in this little camp of of teaching, uh, thought process, I'm just telling you, this is how it went. Uh, A lot of the circles that I was in growing up, no offense to my mom who was here and part of those circles. I know that she doesn't look at it this way anymore either, so we're, we're all good. But in these circles, there was this thought, I'm just going to give you a scenario. Got a person, when they were five years old, they were at a children's church, they prayed this prayer, maybe a little bit later they got baptized, they were going to church through those years. High school years were sort of rough, kind of, you know, teen, teenager, you know. They, they get out of high school, and this story is all too common, they... First, they just stop going to church. Next thing you know, they're just wandering off from the truth. Hey, <laughs> there you go, right? Now, we all want them to come on back, right? Come on back. We're just trying to get them to come on back. Oh, see, look, come on back. Come on in. There you go, <laughs> right? So we're, we're wrestling with that. Welcome. 
Welcome. Nice to have you back. Good to see you guys again. <laughs> now, let me progress a little bit faster here. So in that circle, let me just ask you guys, in that circle, in that camp of teaching, what is that person's, say nothing ever changes, we don't know, we, we don't have anything particular to evidence this, what's this person's eternal destination as far as people in this camp are usually considering? Going to heaven. Because they said the prayer, right? Once saved, always saved, boom. Okay, in that camp, right? Okay. There's another camp, and let me introduce the word here because technically that camp, this camp, whatever camp you want to go with, there's a, there's a word for somebody who wanders from the truth. Anybody know what it is? They're, they're in, it starts with letter A, apostate, right? Apostasy is a leaving of your faith, a walking away, okay? Now, there's another camp. That would say, okay, now, now this one, if they were to peel back over here, if they were to peel back the, the technicalities behind all of this, right, they would say, this person's saved, regenerated by God, they're just not living according to it, okay? This, this camp over here, they would say, and, and there are people who believe this, and maybe you do, I don't know, honestly, I'm not, I'm not trying to start an argument right now, uh, they would say if somebody, same, same scenario, but they walk away, there's people in this camp would say, well, they used to be saved, but now they're not, right? Some that would say that and argue strongly for that. I mean, how can you say that they, they are still, if somebody, somebody completely walks away from the faith, okay? Now, before I dig into like behind the scenes, I, I, I just let's let's think about this from an outward level according to what James is talking about. Right? My brothers, if any among anyone among you wanders from the truth, right? Wanders from the truth. So this person has wandered off, they've gone astray, they've wandered off, and someone brings him back. Now the idea here, number one, the primary thing, before we try to figure out what's going on behind the scenes, let's just recognize the upfront reality. What James wants is when people wander from the truth, we're trying to do something. What are we trying to do? Bring them back. Right? Now, if no matter how you look at this, one way or the other, and I think it's really important how we look at the other aspects of this, but however you look at this, one way or another, one of the calls that James has right here, his call is that when you see people wandering off from the truth, you try to bring them back. You want to bring them back. You want them to come back. It's important that they come back. That's important to James. Now, we'll get to a little bit of that why in the next verse, but let's just let's just pause there for a second because I'm, I'm like, you know what? i I used to love the, the, the debate of this camp and this camp, what's going on behind the scenes and everything else. But on a much more practical level anymore, I just go, I see people walk away, and we, we need to be working. How do we? Let's bring them back. Right? Now, there's different versions of this. 
There's people who have just wandered off the deep end, and in our world we have that, don't we? They just wandered off the deep end, and they're just gone. They're, they're out, they were, they were here, now they're not. <laughs> not going to church, not participating, nothing else, they're, they're gone, right? There's another version of this where they, it's all the same things, but if you talk to them, they'd say, no, I'm still in, <laughs> right? We talked about a little bit about that last week, okay? Let, but both cases, do they need to be brought back? Yeah. Do we want to? Yes, yes, actually. <laughs> yeah, we want to bring them back, right? We want to bring them back. If you've got, if you've got, what, what about the ones? Let, let's let's throw some other scenarios. Let's let's say they've just wandered off into another fellowship, or another community, another group of believers, but it's not one that holds to the truth. What should we be doing in those cases? Bring them back. I. I, I feel sometimes like I, I don't want to do a whole lot of like in the bigger spectrum of Danville. I, I try to always like I'm not trying to take people from other churches and not trying to do this sort of thing. We're not in a competition with other believers. But let's be honest, there, there's some churches out there that people should not be going to. They're not teaching the truth. There's, there's, they're teaching falsehood. They're teaching things that are lies. And we should want to rescue people from those situations. Now, this starts to feel very politically incorrect, doesn't it? I mean, who, who are we to say, you're wrong, we're right, and you should leave that and, and do something different? But that's precisely, that's all wrapped up in what James is saying. When people wander from the truth, one of the things that they're doing is they're believing a lie. So they're living their behaviors and they think it's okay. I mean, we could have versions of that within our own body. This is where it gets really uncomfortable, doesn't it? With our own community. You get people wandering off from the truth like, I know what I should be doing, I'm just not doing it. I've I got to be honest, that, that, that level of community, sometimes I go, you know, that's not for everybody. But it should be. <laughs> should be for everybody. Anybody that's like, no, I don't want that level of, you know, questioning. Well, That's what God's community is meant to be like. And if we see you wandering off from the truth, what should we be doing? Bringing you back. Come on back. Looks like you're walking away. Come on back. Let's come back. Now, before I, I delve into, because there's, there's so many questions I have about the way these things are phrased. Because, like, someone brings him back. Well, I would argue, can any of us really bring anybody back on the one hand? No. But yet James doesn't have a problem phrasing it this way. It maybe, I think, can feel very much like I'm bringing you back. I mean, it can feel that way. We're, we're to act that way. We're to behave that way as if, as if you're out there. I'm trying to bring you back. Now, I know and you know and God knows it's ultimately him, but that doesn't mean I don't go out and try to bring you back. I don't try to persuade. I try to, try to talk and, and bring you, win you back. I want to bring you back. Before I hit the next verse, have I stirred up any thoughts, any, any comments, anything that you're already like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing it quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
there's signs that say you all need Jesus everywhere. And I got one in my classroom. <laughs> and I think to myself, if you had everything you've had all your life and you're still walking away, I got better things to worry about. And mm-hmm. really, James is saying, you don't have better things to worry about. Mm-hmm. You should be worried about that person. I'm kind of convicted that I don't really spend a lot of time worrying about them. Yeah. Thinking that they either have the Holy Spirit or don't, but they should be listening. And it's, it's sort of like, I'm not my brother's keeper is the feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, are, are there before I are there occasions, biblically speaking, where sometimes we say, "I've done what I can. I'm putting this person in God's hands." Yes, that's there, right? What were you gonna say? Think about that, Luke. Um, dig around the tree, dung it, <laughs> right? Let's let's do some tilling here. Yeah, there's things that could be done, maybe, right? Good. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. thought here before we continue. James 5.19, Ben Witherington, my, my favorite commentator, says, um, he says it deals, he's starting to deal with, I mean, at the beginning of this book, he was talking about being steadfast, keeping at it, right? There's a lot of those kind of thoughts. He said, this is dealing with steadfastness in reverse. And that's precisely what, what I, I see in our society at large, in the Christian community, is people not sticking with it to the very end. And James is dealing with this. Hey, this is a reality. So he ends this on a reality that this is a thing. What do we do? Okay, now I want to get to the next part of it. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. Oh, good. I thought I thought everybody would just like move on from that. Um, all right, so I'm gonna tell you where I where I land. So here here's the thing, and I think you probably know this because of James two. If if there is genuine, let's let's think about this camp. Here's my problem with this camp over here for a second. If if they say, well, it's just backslidden, right? And that has other connotations besides just I'm struggling. I, at some point, I go, how can you say that you have faith? I mean, what what does that even mean? Let's think let's think let's think about it from this perspective. When someone is saved, what happens? Let's think about just a few profound things that happen when someone is saved by God. What are some things that maybe you can't physically see but happen? What's, what's one? The Holy Spirit has been put into this person that Paul says the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead is now at work in you. That's powerful. And Paul says in Ephesians, it was given, this spirit was given as the seal guaranteeing future inheritance. So the seal that we have, the stamp of like, do I know I'm saved? How do I know that I'm saved? What's the seal I've got? Is that I've got the spirit of God living in me. So how do I know? It's the spirit of God. It's, it's not... The the seal guaranteeing isn't that you made a profession. The seal guaranteeing isn't that you got baptized. The seal guaranteeing is not that you did these things. The seal is that there's the spirits in you, right? And so at some point, if if somebody walks away and they go, the the camp over there says they they were saved, now they're not, I go, "You you got some bigger problems at work now than just they were, now they're not. They just walked, because... You're saying that the Spirit of God that was put into this person that is now powering them, they what? Overpowered the Spirit? Booted him out? <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you saying? Let, let me give you another one. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about you were once something, now you're something else. What were you before you were saved? Dead. Spiritually dead. Now you're what? Alive. You're, you were spiritually dead, now you're spiritually alive. You were regenerated. So I go, if somebody goes, well, now they were actually genuinely saved, and now they're not. I go, you got a bigger problem, because you're, what, did they get unregenerated? Did they go back to beat, like, what, what are you even saying? Like, in fact, I, at this camp, I usually go, I usually get frustrated at some point, and I, this is why I was going to just move on. I usually get frustrated because I want to say, what? You're insulting the spirit of God and the work of Christ on the cross. I mean, they, this person has been made alive by the power of Christ. What are you saying? Now, the problem is we see that, though. We see people who were seemingly, and then they're not. Could there be other explanations for that besides they were actually regenerated? Yeah, and that's what Andrew was talking about, the sower and the seeds. The other side, part of that is that You've got, you've got these different grounds where the word of God lands on a ground and it springs up. One of them doesn't have any root at all. So the word of God is producing things, but it's not taking root. Could that be the reality? Hey, I'm going to tell you right now. There's this thing that theologians have come to term common grace. You can have people that don't know God and don't care about God and don't want anything to do with God still do very nice things. Is that not true? 
where did that come from? Theologians have said, that's, that's all, even that can be attributed to the very grace of God. It's not saving grace. That person is saved. So you can have lost people that hate God do nice things because of the grace of God. Right? So, th- so in and of themselves, just because somebody showed some signs of, woo, it, in fact, this is why I go, you know, one, one of the key key most important things to say is this person genuinely saved it's not perfection it's not it's do they endure to the end that's how you really know right now before you i take your question does that mean that you can be genuine can you have people who are genuinely christians stumble and fall into sin yes but you know one of the key parts of knowing in that moment what's really going on behind the scenes is no matter how far they've stumbled, the righteous man falls seven times and does what? Rises up again, gets back up again. And, and, and you, you're going to have people, I've seen people who are, I, I think are genuinely Christians fall deep into sin. And I don't, I, I didn't go, in fact, what I usually did in those moments, like, I don't know. I can't tell yet, but we're going to see. We're going to see if the Spirit's there, because if the Spirit is there, what's going to happen? What am I going to see? Some version of this, some progression of this might be fast for some, might be a little bit slower for others, but I'm going to see something happen. The Spirit that powered Christ, being raised from the dead, that is in work of this person, will not permit them to remain down. Some version of them getting back up is going to happen, because they are a regenerated person. Now, I'm never going to put a, a capstone on the window here of how much time that's going to take. I'm never, I, I, I can't do that. I can't do that biblically. What I usually do is I go, if they're in this state, I usually, when I'm talking to them, I go, here's the important thing. You can't know right now. Just because you go, I feel bad, that doesn't mean you're saved. Right? How we're going to see, me and you together, how we're going to see is what you do next. If you begin that repentance process, if you begin that repentance process, now, it's a great ways. If you see people put on a show of repentance but keep the sin buried, that's a great way of saying, I don't think, I think you're probably not really saved. Right? That's, that's become, for me, one of the things I, I see most often is you see somebody, they, they make some shows of repentance, but they keep things buried. That's usually a sign of somebody that is not genuinely, that's not godly sorrow that's producing repentance. People who are genuinely sorrowful in their sin will be like, I, this, is, this, I, this is what I'm doing. I'm an open book right now. I may have had it covered, but now I don't. Here you go. Right? That's a, that's a sign of genuine repentance, genuine faith. Did you still... Yeah. Like I was raised in that camp. I think a lot of us were. Yeah. I, I mean, I and I totally agree with you and appreciate the passion for the correction of that theology, because I do think we have to be careful what we're saying about the Holy Spirit in that camp. One of the things, though, that I've noticed through the years of like working with women in particular, and then being a a, a woman at my age, is that. It's quite possible, besides the whole mentality that you say a prayer and you're in, mm-hmm. your ticket, that that camp was entirely started by moms. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and so I want to speak, I know the hardness that you're talking, so if I mm. can give like a feminine swim, like switch to it too, is that, mm -hmm. that's what's so hard about that camp. Yeah. Because there are moms, in particular dads too, but moms in particular are holding on in that camp. Mm. Because we want to believe that what we saw our kid do... Because this isn't theology, this is faces. Yes, in third grade, mm -hmm. is still good. Sure. We, we do, we want to believe that. Like, it's a, it's a comfort to think. Mm -hmm. You know, but they, you know, when they were 12, they... And yeah. the, the idea that I'm actually seeing the truth played out, and all of a sudden I'm back, especially if you've watched your kids make a statement of faith and you're like, whew, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Took care of that. That's what we're going for with our kids, right? Make that statement yeah. of faith and I can breathe deep. But then all of a sudden the kid grows up and they go, they wonder from the truth and you're back in that stark reality of, oh mm -hmm. no. Yeah. And so it's just, like I said, I'm not, it's not that I'm not fervently against that camp, yeah. but I understand why people want to live there. Yeah. But I think what? Paul has something he wants to say. Yeah, go ahead. I think you'll have to cover the rest of this next week because I want to add what you say. Okay. I think in general, dads start at the other camp. Yeah. Hmm. No, they're gone. Hmm, that's interesting. I'm sad, but they're gone. I love what you said, though, about to the end. Hmm. Because we really don't know till the very end. Yeah. So, my brother. Mm hmm. kicked out of the high school that this church used to run because he was stealing <laughs> and doing pot and mm. and then he went really out off the deep end. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, 54, 55 or so. And only now and when I went and visited him for the first time in my entire life, we had conversations about the holiness of God. Mm. Still know until the very end, but something's happening, and it took 40 years. So maybe he's regenerate, mm. and somehow God's okay with him being dormant here for so long time. But in general, I still take the same approach. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So does, well, is that going to Yeah, I really, I really cook your cook your goose and say, um, if you if you read the 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 save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The Greek is non-specific about whose sins are being covered. And so the two commentaries I had took two different approaches, which I hate because then I'm like, the smart people can't figure it out. Um, but both of them ended by saying the other side is possible. <laughs> so this is that I think it's the, whose sins are being covered. Is it covered? Because it's not cover like forgiveness. It's not necessarily atonement. It's talking about overlooking. And so it could be talking about the one who strayed 
Their sins will be covered. And we, a lot of times that's what I always thought, like covered as like they got sa- they're saved and it's covering, right? The sinner, the covering. But it was also, it could also mean a, a person's own thing. And it ties back to that mercy triumphs over judgment. That, but I'll, I'll save that because that opens up a whole new can of worms. And I got three hands, so you had your hand up first. I want to throw one thing in about the lukewarm because I was just telling you about this the other day. Um, And then the two other hands, we may have to wait because I got the mean look from the back. Um, I got one minute. I'm going to share this one thing. So Laodicea, um, we were talking about this because it's close to Colossae. It's it's a, one of the things about it, there's historical records where sometimes governors and rulers, when they came into Laodicea, would bring their own water with them because Laodicea's water, you couldn't get water from there. And they'd actually, it's a feat of engineering. There was a, like a mountain, a hillside that they actually, basically how they did this, I don't know back in these days, but they basically had this stone pipe through the side of this thing where they let water just trickle down through this. And so the water was so bad though because it wasn't like a pipe like we had. It was made out of stone. And it would have, so it was this nasty, nasty water. By the time I got to Laodicea, and the Laodiceans were known, they were rich in the, these other things, but they were known for their nasty water. And so when the writer of Revelation says that, the meaning that would have had behind that is, you got hot water can be useful, you got cold water can be useful. Which always confused me, because I was like, how could cold be better than lukewarm? Because I'm thinking lukewarm like I'm barely doing anything, but he's like, cold is better. Well, it's because hot water and cold water are both useful. But the water that you get at Laodicea, this tepid, lukewarm is disgusting and and it's not useful for anything and that was one of the key thoughts behind the the idea of the water and so when you think about that in terms of the church like this lukewarm concept of church we usually think about some that are just kind of yeah but lukewarm in that context was probably more referring to nasty (laughs) nasty water right nasty not useful we can use this hot water for stuff we can use cold water for stuff both of those have great purposes. This water, pointless. Um, and I, but I think it doesn't change what you're saying at all. I think that it emphasizes it in a little, because then it clarifies a little bit with how the cold could be better than lukewarm, right? 
But I'm, I'm really getting the looks, so I got to stop. All right, you guys are dismissed.